Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 To the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castro. Hey, Bob. What's up, Dan? How you feeling? How you living? Uh oh. This guy gets it. Jackie Daytona still going. The great song feels like it gets better somehow. I don't know how, but it, it, it gets better and better. And better check out the Jackie Daytona record. There's a new one on the way. Nice, I my mean, friend Jack Doyle down there in Texas. Someday uh, we'll have done this podcast so long we can do a Jackie Daytona album as a throwback. We're getting there. We, we are. We're closing in. And you know, I, I was thinking about um, our podcast, Bob. We've been doing this now. For that's a, while. a by the way. That's a first. That's a first. You've never that's thought the about first this time podcast. I've ever yeah. actually thought of the show when I'm not talking into the microphone. Yeah. And I was thinking about, um, well, what I was thinking about on the couch, it was about, I want to say a couple months ago, and I was on the couch, and sometimes when I'm the last one up in the house, and my wife is, has long gone to bed, the kids are asleep, and I, I'm, I want to watch something. So what I'll do is I'll put on Spice, the adult uh, Spice show. from the <laughs> late 90s TKR cable package. No, I will not put on Spice. Okay. Uh, what I would, I'll put on, I'll go on to like HBO <laughs> does, Max. Does the Spice Network still exist is the bigger question. Yes, that, that, that requires a Google. No. Um, I'll go on to like the streaming services and I'll look for, for whatever reason when it's really late, an old comedy. And by old, I mean one that came out maybe in the 90s right, or right. in the early 2000s. And one night while I was surfing on... Um, I believe it was HBO. I came across this gem released 19 years ago. Matt Sullivan is a young, normal, healthy American male. Okay. About to attempt the unthinkable. Don't know yet. No sex for Lent. For 40 days. No nibbling, no biting, no scratching. No masturbation. You won't last a week. Uh, You're the guy who can't finish a sandwich. You think you can go 40 days? This doesn't affect you in any way. This affects everyone. How many days do you think you'll last? <laughs> days? Wow. Women have been doing this forever. Still? We're still so listening we to this? So you want to have sex with me to regain the power? We're willing to do whatever is necessary. Get the job done. Oh, God. Uh, From the makers of Bridget Jones's Diary and Notting Hill. My name's Erica. You're going on a date with her? Isn't that kind of getting in the way of the thing? We are totally connecting, and it's not a sexual thing. Not for either of us. Comes a new comedy. Good night. Remember old trailers? Waiting. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm being treated like an equal, and we're connecting on this whole, it like... Sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Josh Hartnett. Surprise inspection. What the hell is that thing? It's a special light that allows me to see if any fluids have been liberated. Oh 40 God. days and 40 nights. All right, let me just say, 
before I, I want to hear all of your thoughts, obviously, yes. but before you, before you get into it, I am just going to go out on a limb and say there were no females involved with the making of that movie from <laughs> top to bottom. There was not a female director. There was not a female screenwriter. There was no no producers. No. That is the most male idea for a movie and execution of a movie ever. And you're a man that wrote and directed a movie called Flock of Dudes. Way more feminine than this movie. But yes. It's a movie that is um, carbon dated, frozen in time. It's been memory hold by society. Uh, but I find it to be, um, on some level, as I watched it at 2 in the morning on a random Tuesday night, um, kind of like the platonic ideal of what this podcast is. Okay, hold 40 on. 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, we'll get we'll get even more into that. Just pulled up Wikipedia. I'm 100% right. Directed by <laughs> Michael Lehman. Produced Tim Eric Michael. Written by Robert. <laughs> Music by Rolf. Cinematography by a guy named Elliot. Edited by Nicholas. <laughs> like There are no women within a thousand yards of this movie. So, you know, as we've said many times on the show, this podcast is mostly for people that are born in exactly 1980. Solely. And um, this movie came out in 2002. And it is the most 2002 thing that's ever existed. And we I love 2002. Love 2002. I was so angry at this movie when it came out. I remember seeing the trailer and just being like, oh, poor Josh Hartnett, who I did not like. Poor Josh Hartnett has to go 40 days without fucking. Welcome to my sophomore year of college. Like, right. It was like, come on. It has Josh Hartnett, Shannon Sossman, who really in my Hall of Fame, I have to tell you. Yeah, of course. And then there was the great, the iconic Paolo Costanzo. Who you from Road Trip? From Road Trip, who, by the way, Bob, um, I always thought that you guys shared some type of bond, you and Paolo. And then I did a little cursory research before the show. He uh, has a uh, Italian American father and a Jewish mother. Makes sense. And he had the exact. If you ever want to know what Bob was like when he was twenty-two. Watch any Paulo Costanzo film <laughs> from that era. So you can see uh, Road Trip or uh, being uh, Matt LeBlanc's friend on Joey. Right. <laughs> or this film. Or this movie, yeah. But the reason why it's it's so, um, it's a time capsule of an era that is largely forgotten, which is really what our podcast is about. Um, and uh, what I really liked about it, though, beyond the fact that it's a Josh Hartnett, Shannon Sossaman uh actor bob vehicle is the soundtrack which you want to talk about something that is from a, an era that's been totally forgotten i'm just going to spin through a couple tracks on the soundtrack bob because it hits all the beats of the early 2000s okay you had the 80s song right that was not too on the nose but also reminded people of hey weren't the 80s awesome yep that, you know, the director or writer who grew up with this music was like, this is the song that was in my head right. during this. Right. And this is the when the 80s was something to uh, rediscover and kind of pilfer culturally. That was that was a huge thing in the early 2000s. So in excess, hey, good to see you guys again. From the Throwback Podcast. Kick, my favorite album of 2020, by the way. By the way, it makes sense because the director was 45 years old when he made this movie. There you go. This so is he your future, Bob. All right. Also, here's a song, Turn Off the Lights by Teddy Pendergrass. Again, another early 2000s trope. You take like the soul song from the 70s and then use it kind of in an ironic, winking way in a movie with a bunch of white people. Yep. Tonight I can't. 
Okay, Teddy Pendergrass being used by a bunch of white people <laughs> in an ironic way. We're sorry, Teddy. You didn't deserve this, Teddy. All right, then, then you just bring out the big heavy hitters when a 46-year-old director uh, wants to show that he's hipping with the kids. So yep. you get... Fat Boy Slim? Yes. I, will, I, I would have put every penny I had that there would be a Fat Boy Slim song in here. So this is Talking About My Baby. Off the album Halfway Between the Gutter and the Stars. Great album title. I've always liked that one. All right. Don't have time to get into that song. Uh, then you say, okay, we need a big single uh, from a band that I like. I love this album. I love this band. I think they got a big uh, got a big future ahead of them. So let's go get Chemistry by Semisonic. Yes. Is there anything more 2002 than putting Chemistry on the big like <laughs> we're falling in love montage as we take a bus ride oh, through San Francisco I together? Love it. So happy for Dan Wilson. Yeah, let's give Dan Wilson a little love here and listen to some Chemistry. I remember when I found out about Chemistry. It was a long, long way from here. I was old enough to want it, but younger than I wanted to be. Suddenly my mission was clear. So for a while I conducted experiments, and I was amazed by the things I learned from the fine, fine girl with nothing but good intentions and a bad tendency to get I've never seen the movie, but 1,000... Wait, you never saw this movie? No, but 1,000%, they were on a bus, and the song was playing, and Shannon Sossaman looks at him and, like, laughs. Right, because you did see this movie. But I I think I saw this part. I think I saw that part. Uh, Anyway, um, and if you're, again, if you're putting out a movie and you want to seem cool in 2002, I mean, obviously you're putting a Pete Yorn song on it. Is this the most 2002 thing that's ever existed? This is pretty 2002. By the way, we covered Semisonic uh, Feeling Strangely Fine on this podcast. Uh, And if there was ever a band in the 90s that I thought had like five records ahead of them that were going to be good. Yeah. And and they would be on the radar. It was them. That album is great. I loved Feeling Strangely Fine. It just didn't happen. Pete Yorn, you can say the same thing. What? What movie wasn't this song in between 2001 and 2004? A Sonic Assault. Yeah. And if you think about it, like, um, it's like, why was he getting all these great Hollywood tie-ins to his like fledgling career? Oh, his brother was the most high-powered entertainment lawyer in Hollywood. Right. <laughs> and he was, like, hanging out with Jim Carrey. That said, Music for the Morning After, one of my favorite albums ever. We've covered that uh, real quick. Moby. Got to put Moby on here. See, I was wondering if it was going to be either Fat Boy Slim or Moby or both. Cover both your bases. Might as well, yeah. That way you're getting everybody in your little realm. <laughs> now, when you made your movie Flock of Dudes, Bob, which is available in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. no, I In think, other territories. Well, you know, I, don't, I haven't gotten a residual check in a little bit, so I don't know what's going on in New Zealand. Maybe it's a COVID thing, but we'll... Uh, I'll look into that. How um, how much was your last residual check for Flock of Dudes? Is that too personal a question? In you know Hollywood? what? 
It's it's not a funny number. <laughs> I did just get residuals for Not Safe with Nikki Glaser, including a check for one dollar and thirty two cents. So that's always that's funny. pretty funny. Yeah, that's always great. That's pretty funny. Um, and then, you know what's funnier? What? Cashed it. <laughs> oh, no, you did. <laughs> I guess what are you going to do with it? You're not going to throw it out. No. And then finally, Bob, um, a band that I feel like has been overlooked on this show, strangely. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. This is a great song. This might be their best song. No, it's not their best song, but it's so good. Why? Because this is a two-man podcast, Bob. We It's a democracy. Yes. We have the ability to, if we feel strongly about a band, to say, let's cover the band. Let's do these albums. And you know that I've, I am not, I have never launched too much venom towards Everclear. I, I find that many of their songs overly similar, but I like yes. a lot of their songs. The fact that they haven't been on this podcast more is, is you... It's me. Failing no, I, as an Everclear fan. I know it's me, but we've done one Everclear album. Everclear, Don't remember it. Me neither. Everclear <laughs> was legitimately one of my favorite bands of the 90s. They were. You loved Everclear. I loved Everclear. What is this podcast for if I Everclear is not on it? Their first two albums, two of my favorite albums of the 90s, and their third album I liked a lot too. Anyway, you know what the problem is, though. I need, I there's so much of me is still in the '90s that like I need to do rancid. I need to do pulp. I I need to do the first. Stop trying to be cool. I need to just do, embrace who you actually. No, were. but I loved those albums. Those were two of my favorite albums of the decade. Like I need to do those, and I would like to do this too. But it's just you know, there's a lot. There's just a lot of music out there, Dan. <laughs> That's why we're never gonna stop doing this podcast, whether you like it or not. I don't like it um i would like to stop we're gonna do songs from an american movie volume one you're gonna listen to am radio on this podcast what a mess uh anyway those are all on the 40 days and 40 nights soundtrack if you want to understand what this podcast like the the spirit the spirit animal of this podcast is that film and that soundtrack right don't watch and dissertation definitely don't watch the film but listen According to, to Wikipedia, it's a 2002 satirical, erotic, romantic comedy. Go to New Zealand and find Flock of Dudes before you watch 40 <laughs> Days and 40 Nights. I also never got the Josh Hartnett appeal. Like I don't think anybody did. I think that was a blip on the radar of society. I could easily go 40 days without fucking him. Right. But, I mean, listen, that guy was the star of Pearl Harbor, bro. <laughs> uh, all right. So. He, he was our Pearl Harbor. But we're not... Doing the 40 Days and 40 Nights soundtrack. Mistake that we're not. We kind of just did. Kind of just did. So I feel like that was my bone to you. And again, apologies to Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> from, from from all the whites. All the whites. <laughs> the whites that have been using uh, black music, ironically, throughout films of the aughts. Right. We, um, I don't condone that behavior. Barry White deserves an apology. Isaac Hayes. There's like, so many. Jack Black built his entire career on the back of this right. method. Um, we're sorry. We are truly. There's no. I hope you got residuals, and I'm sure you did. 
um, and, uh, money, that helps, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Bob. Well, this is a big night for the Whites, Dan, because we are doing finally. Finally a big night for the Whites. Finally. We it finally, is overdue. <laughs> we, we, we've earned this, Whites. Oh, no. Um, no, it's a big night for our, our Patreonies and our audience because we're finally doing Interpol on the podcast. One of the glaring, glaring oversights four years into this thing is the fact that we've, that we've never done Interpol because 50% of this podcast out of nowhere had this weird aversion to listening to an Interpol album. It's, it's not a weird aversion. And I already know as I look at the track listing, there are several songs here that I do like and one that I even love. However, uh, I just found Interpol to be the most boring of the New York bands to come on the scene in the early 2000s. Right. We'll get into all this. We've talked about Interpol. They've come up before. We talked about them when we did The Strokes because Interpol and The Strokes are forever intertwined as the sort of saviors of rock in the early 2000s. Interpol does not get the pop that The Strokes do, and rightfully so. They were... They were riding on the waves of the Strokes. They were different styles of music, but they were both linked as the New York revival of the early aughts. But Maybe let's not. let's just make it clear, Bob. Let's be on the same page here that the Strokes were out front of that movement. Yes, and Interpol was no, seen no, yeah. as I'm not a part that. of it, but yes. not the front of it. They weren't on the front line. No, and and maybe I perhaps misspoke slightly. <laughs> When I said the Saviors I like of this Rock. this is already compatible. The Saviors, it's going to be a very compatible episode. <laughs> the Saviors of Rock thing, it was really more the Strokes and the White Stripes even. But as far as New York goes, it was the Strokes and Interpol. As the sort of, this is the Well, scene. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the yeah, yeah, yeahs were next. And then it was everything that was kind of coming up around it LCD well. sound system was in there. Right. But, you if know, you read I the book, quite understood that. Meet Me in the Bathroom by Lizzie Goodman, an incredible book, The Oral History of the Scene at the Time. Very good book. It Great is, book. It is Great all, read. It is really about the Strokes, Interpol, LCD sound system. There's little killers in there, even though they're not a New York no, band, they, but they, just like that scene. The right. The, it gets into the whole scene. It's such a good book. Yeah. Uh, and then Kings of Leon and ultimately Vampire Weekend. And it's really fun to read. But Interpol was a huge part of the scene. Yes. I, I absolutely grant you that. Did we miss any uh, Mooney Suzuki? Were they Detroit? No, they were New York. We loved, New York. We, we, we were Mooney Suzuki fans. The Hives, of they course. were overseas. Yeah, it became like the, the thing with the Hives and the Vines. The, the Bla- Vines. The Black Keys were Oh, kind the Vines. Of, that's another Australian podcast you could do. There we go. See, when I do when I move to Australia and do it with our Patreonies, Mancy and could do You could the entire Vines catalog. We'll do it. That could be a month of shows. I can't wait. And Jet. See, Jet was like the pop version of The Strokes. Oh, my God, Jet. Uh, <laughs> no, it just became this whole thing. But Interpol was the moody, not the moody Suzuki, the moody mm-hmm. kind of Cure-esque brother of The Strokes. Nice. Where Overly kind. When we talked about uh, when they've come up in the past, I feel like it was in The Strokes episode, we talked about how we kind of planted our flag on Team Strokes, even though there was never like a rivalry between them. I personally felt like I love this new music. I love this garage sound. I don't need to like this other band Interpol quite yet. So when Turn on the Bright Lights, their first album came out, I heard it. I was adored universally. It was universally adored. these circles. I was okay with it. I didn't love it at the time because I was all about the strokes. And then Antics came out. And Antics 
just blew the doors off the scene at the time. And as you said, again, you, overly strong, but you recognize the songs. There were huge rock hits on this album. And that's why out of the two Interpol albums to do, I chose antics for, did they have a third episode. album that was even, even in the discussion? Like what, what, not, ha- what became of Interpol? Not that was in the discussion. They've had many albums since, and they've had singles that have done well off of these albums. But I would say for them, the first two were, kind of their two definitive albums for their career. And maybe like a hardcore Interpol fan would be like... Look at that. The audience, they, your impassioned setup to this episode, you get some pop for it. Thank you. And I am not a hardcore Interpol fan, as, that, as I'm sure we'll, we'll learn as we go through this. Like them a lot. Love this album. And uh, I especially love the fact that this won a Patreon poll 14 months ago. And finally, <laughs> after after just bringing it up over and over again, you finally broke down and said, "Fuck it, let's do Interpol." This, if I had a name, this band, I'd call them. They all had strokes because there was just no passion. It was just everything was monotone. And you will not beat that joke, Bob. You're gonna try for the next 57 <laughs> minutes. You're not gonna beat it. Um, well, can I tell you how close you came to not doing this album? Oh, tell me. So back in April 2020, we were all so young. Just dealing with the the first wave of the coronavirus. It yeah. was all still new to us. April 2020 is pretty rough. Pretty bad time. The poll uh, for who's going to make their debut on the pod came out between Hole, John Mayer, Interpol, and Madonna. <laughs> Hopefully it was heavier things. Hole finished last with 17%. No one cares about Courtney Love. Uh, Did not pass the test of time. Madonna second to last at 23%. Everybody hates Madonna now. And John Mayer, John Mayer, 28% almost overtook Interpol. And we would have done this poll (laughs) seven months ago. And I'll tell you what, if John Mayer, heavier things would have won that poll, (laughs) we would have done that fucking podcast in April 21st. You would have woke me up that night (laughs) and said, get over here. I love that album. Uh, But instead, Interpol won. And I I think it's, it's showing that I'm a magnanimous man. That we are doing the album. No, you're the kind of guy where it only takes a year and two months <laughs> to break you down to finally agree with what the people have paid you to do. So good for you. All right. Okay. I like that you don't even want to know what was going on in the world in don't. September 2004 when this album came out. Feel feel song. Okay, okay, okay. Just be in it. It almost it struck me as like, oh, they never wrote a chorus for this song, but then you told me it's a feel song, so. 
Just feel it. You're starting the album off. Feel it. I thought they all had strokes. It's pretty good. <laughs> you were really proud of yourself for that one. I just thought, you know, it, it, maybe you didn't give it the love it deserves. I heard you. I think I smiled. The national Stella star. Oh, big Stella star fan right here. You, <laughs> you know love, that. You love you some Stella star. Uh, we got to get yeah, Matt okay. Money Smith back on the pod just so we can talk about Stella star. Was he a fan? Uh, I don't think so. I, but I, I brought him, I brought them up when he was on our podcast, which is, by the way, if you've never heard it, everybody out there, the only good episode we've ever done. <laughs> and one that landed Matt Money Smith in hot water with m- multiple personal contacts from his past. Uh, a type of podcast where I think he, it was one of those things where someone asks you to do a podcast and you go, well, you know, Nobody's... I don't want to be a jerk, right. so I don't want to say no. And I do like talking about music. Uh, nobody listens to that show, so I'll yeah. just do it and speak my mind. And then what happened was he didn't realize that we have a sliver of an audience, and then that um, his candidness would lead to um, <laughs> major personal problems, which is great. So go back and listen to the Matt Money Smith yeah. uh, on K Rock, uh, Los Angeles, his heyday there during his era in the music business for a lot of dirt on various people in the industry. Yes. He was a big fan of this album. We talked about Interval and Stella star as well, but um, that first song next exit, I feel like you're not going to do any work on this episode. So (laughs) I feel like I'm the one that's going to have to pull up Wikipedia for the first time. No, I'm, I'm looking at it, but that, that first song, that to me is almost like exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just, just like, where is the life in this band. Let me like, just say, there'll be, where's the life force? There's life in this album. Don't worry about that. That is the, I immediately hearing that puts me back to putting in my headphones in New York, plugged into my disc man, pre iPod in New York city. You old as shit. They have the headphones with the, uh, the thin, the yes. really thin wire top. Yep. And the ones that go in your ears, the ones that have the, it was They're, the Sony. It was the Sony Walkman where you could get it for like ten ninety nine, and they were very mm-hmm. good. Right, and if you if yeah. you make like two circles with your fingers right now, and then you, right. it's they were facing in that direction. They were pointing towards your, and they could blow out your eardrums. They could like blow was, out your fucking eardrums. No sensitivity, to but it. just popping that in my ears and walking down the street on the Lower East Side, living in New York at the time, like, and starting that song, I'm just there immediately. It's such a great right. mood. I get it. I get it. Not every song needs to be a big single. I'm not. I'm not saying. But I, when I think of Interpol as a band that just sounds a little like you know, lazy, a little lethargic, lethargic. That's the word. That's a good word. Not every. Not every band has to be dismantling atomic bombs. See, I don't hit out at you two about this. This is a totally different Rosemary. world. Rosemary. All right, here we go. This is a good song. Heaven restores this is you evil. In life. Coming with me Through the aging, the fearing, the strife It's the smiling on the package It's the faces in the sand It's the thought that moves you upward Embracing me with two hands Right, we'll take you places Yeah, maybe to the beach When your friends, they do come crying Tell them now your pleasure set upon slow
second single off antics is evil the song uh which was peaked at number 18 on the uk singles chart number 24 on the billboard magazine modern rock chart in australia bob plug in here the song was ranked number 76 on triple j's hottest 100 of 2004 and you should know bob that the song is believed to be about fred and rosemary west a married couple who raped and murdered teenage girls together in england throughout the 60s and 80s. Nothing lethargic about that. <laughs> I mean, come on. I like this song a lot. This Always like so this good. one. I can't really argue about this one. And this was one in the Money episode we talked about. He was just pounding the table for this one. He thought it should have been a hit, and it never got as big as he thought it could have been. But it's so good. This yeah, song is so I mean, I, I don't know if I hear like a radio hit. I mean, money is a better judge of that than me, but if the people were pushing back, we're like, we like it, but I don't know if it's something that's going to play with a larger audience. I get that, too. Right. See, this song's an example of, like, the things that they do that makes them different. I, I feel like it's working. It's all kind of working with this where... It's very, um, there's nothing like mushy about their sound. It's very concise. Um, it's very clear and to the point. Good. This is good stuff. I'm in, Bob. So you think I'm just going to be a, a cock about this? I'm not. I would never call you a cock. <laughs> I mean, I have. But I uh, they they did make a, a push, a Yorn, a Rick Yorn esque push, Bob, in popular culture. This song appeared in episodes. Of the 100, Entourage, Grey's Anatomy, and the OC. I mean, that's about as big a push as you can make well, in the year I think, 2005. Yes, I feel like that was probably a push in both directions because it was also all of those old white producers being like, what's cool? What are the kids listening to? Right, and this is easier to put under, you know, Vinny Chase than a lot of other things. So I get it. There's no way Vinny Ch- Chase was into Interpol. Never. No, no of way. course not. No, none of them were. And all you people out there... All you people out there that are pretending like you never liked Entourage. We've already we've already fought pro Entourage. We've already been pro Entourage before. We don't want that to be our fucking, don't, don't put it on our tombstone. Don't okay? make that our hill. <laughs> don't put it on our tombstone, but I just want to say I see you pretending like you didn't love Entourage in the first couple seasons. You did, and now you can own up you can own up to it. Just be honest about it. Doesn't make you a bad person. It was a moment in time. Yeah, look, we're all responsible for Jeremy Piven, all right? We all have to take we all our th- share of the blame. Yes. All right, here's Narc.
Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, again, this. I feel so. I I bought the CD at the time, and I just listened to it a lot, just walking around New York. Like I moved to New York in 2002 out of college, or very end of 2002, beginning of 2003. And for the first two years, I lived in Brooklyn, in Park Slope, and then I moved to the Lower East Side in 2000, beginning of 2005. So this came out when I was still in Brooklyn, but I was still like new to the city. So like this was one of those songs, one of those albums where I'd be walking around and just still kind of blown away by what New York City was. Mm. So it's just like so many positive memories. Like when I listen to the Libertines, I think about being on the subway. When I listen to the Strokes, I think about like driving into New York City and like that having that like, oh my God, I live here now. And this is just like being in New York and walking around and being like, I'm a part of this like world that's kind of all of a sudden like the center of music which was like a weird yeah that was pretty good luck in terms of timing for this scene to be exploding i i guess maybe a year too late late's not the word but like right we wasn't right when it was hitting but it was when it was kind of some of the most important slash well-known rock of the era was all emanating out of New York at the time. Like, we just missed, like, oh, the Strokes playing at Brownies, which by right. the time we... we didn't were, get that. Right, by the time we were there, the Strokes were famous and Brownies was hi-fi. Like, it was like... we. Had but we did get, like, the Strokes at Central Park on the summer stage right. touring behind Room on Fire, right. which is not bad. <laughs> and, you know, those kind of that second wave of bands like the Stella Stars where the killers were opening up for them. Right. And like you were seeing those like New York bands, like the Realistics or the Mannequins, like or not the Mannequins, the Witnesses, like these bands that like never broke, but it was like, oh, they could be the next one. Right. So it was kind of fun. You like, got like the Kings of Leon opening for right. the Strokes, just like that, that, or were they opening for Ted Leo? No, we saw the Kings of Leon open for the Strokes with Regina Spector. But we saw Kings Leon another time too, didn't we? We saw them open for you too the day that no, you but punched, even no. before that. Oh, we don't need to talk about me punching Mark my friend in the, in the nose and breaking right. his nose right. in accidentally front of, in front of a girl that you had a chance with. There was there was a chance there. Yep. So it didn't after that. Let's talk about sliding door moments, man. We would not be doing this podcast right now. In Sliding Doors, does Gwyneth Paltrow ever punch a dude in the face? Never saw the movie. <laughs> nobody has. It's the most referenced movie that nobody's really seen. All right, here is Take You on a Cruise. Oh, that's romantic. Right. Definitely a pre-COVID sentiment. I think cruises, it's a wrap. You ever take a cruise? I was actually, I'm sorry. I was going to I was gonna circle back because you said that and I missed it, but then I realized what you said. And I would love to talk about the cruises I went on as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken two. I've taken, I took one um, in 2002, actually. Whoa. And uh, yeah, it was um, tied to my grandparents, I believe, a 50th wedding anniversary. And I just, the only thing I really remember about it was like gaining 12 pounds in five days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like getting off the, the boat and being like, well, my clothes don't fit anymore. What <laughs> oh, happened wow. here? You really went for it. You really loved it. All what you else are you going to do on a cruise? All you can eat buffet. And drinking and eating bad food. Wait, what, what were your cruise memories? Wait, that was 2002, you said? So you yeah. were like a 22-year-old man? 
Oh yeah, never. I never went as a boy on anything like that. We did. We did two within a couple of years of each other. We did the Big Red Boat when I was like 14 years old. That sounds like second tier. No, Big Red Boat was the Disney Cruise at the time. Oh, I take that back. There was like apologies. There was like a big push on the uh, Disney Channel to like go on the Big Red Boat, which was you know the Disney sponsored cruise line. So my sister, (laughs) my sister, so you know I obviously at the age of 13 had a had a mega cool bar mitzvah that you were not invited to. Well, mega cool is really the overstatement of all time, but uh, go on. Mega, the only way you could describe it is mega cool. Just so you know, if mega cool uh, means it's cool to uh, go to a dance school, like a, a hip-hop dance class, to prepare for your solo dance in front of your classmates at said bar mitzvah, all things that really did happen for Bob. Uh, then yes, it was very cool. There's no proof that any of that happened, and uh, nobody has ever listened to those episodes, so they don't know that that's a thing. They don't know the story? No, it's not true. Not really. <laughs> Bob? No, no, it's fine. Went it's to a, a hip-hop nope, dancing class happen- as a 13-year-old never, boy. Never happened. To learn how to hip-hop dance. Never happened. Uh, like Brian Austin Green in 90210. <laughs> uh, so he could a impress memory. a bunch of his... Um, People that he thought were his friends that all quickly abandoned him shortly after the bar mitzvah. Holy shit. You just summed it up so <laughs> succinctly and hurtfully. I almost... I wasn't meaning to hurt, but I had to be honest. I almost just need to bail to talk about uh, the song on Antics right do you know? Now. Do you know the part in the uh, 90210 uh, <laughs> opening credits where Brian Austin Green bag would do like the left, the yes. right, the left, the right with the knee, and then look up and like do a hair flip? That was Bob's intentions for his bar mitzvah. That was what I thought I looked like. Like, that's how I was feeling on the inside. He's like, this will be how I get my first beach. It's going to be doing the bag dance. So many years away from that. (laughs) So, but we're not talking about my bar mitzvah. We're talking about my sister who chose not to have a bat mitzvah and instead opted for the cruise. That's smart. That's smart. So we did the cruise. She was 13. I was 15. And, uh fucking time of my life loved it really yeah because i was at like the perfect age where i was like doing the teen thing with like the other cool Did they have like teen yep. like events and stuff had, oh, like, i the... could see 15 year old bob being way in on that they had the teen group and i was weighing on it was that like dj howie and the limbo stick at 3 p.m on yep. the top deck and yep. i was like i'm there i was there with i'm the... in i was there I with it. all these kids from you know all around the country there was like some some 15 year old babes <laughs> Uh, Did you hear about the death of Shannon Hoon? Tragedy, right? Like, yep. That was your pickup line for I, every girl. I brought my backpack with Shannon Hoon, <laughs> 1967 to 1995 on it. Yep. No. And uh, like who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucking, I loved Wait, it. Wait, were you the guy from Donahue? <laughs> I get recognized immediately. Kelsey Grammer's there. People don't know this. Bob couldn't go anywhere from 1995 <laughs> to 1997 without being mobbed with people asking him about his Donahue appearance. Can I tell you my main memory, though, of, of doing this was we were it was like all the teens were in this like there was like a counselor camp counselor type guy, guy who was running the teen thing. Right. It was Ron Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He was so fun. Whatever happened to that guy? So I was... Um, Put it on the board. So we were like in this room. If you were born in 1980, you know who that person is. And there was like this one girl. Fuck, I still remember. Her name was Nikki Score. 
Oh, how is Nikki score not the hottest girl in 1995? She was it's the impossible. hottest girl in 1995. I remember just Jenny being, McCarthy was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This girl's hot. Yeah. Nikki score was the hottest. I remember Nikki score and we're sitting in this room and there was like some like getting to know you type game going on where everybody has to write stuff down. And there were these like other girls who were from, I think like Alabama. They were like these Southern girls who were cute, but they were no Nikki score. They were not Nikki score. So I do, I can't believe I had the confidence for being such a fucking loser at the age of 15. You were in the middle of the ocean. Your equilibrium was probably out of whack. You probably thought you had a shot with, but I was like, I got Nikki score. Like Nikki score, like that's gonna happen. Plus, Nikki score doesn't have a ton of options. She's on a fucking boat she's in the middle of the ocean. Stranded on she's the way. She's basically trapped on the boat with you. She's on her way to some unknown island in the Caribbean. Fucking nowhere to Barely go. Barely legal. What's happening here? <laughs> no, wait. It's legal. I mean, all right. So, um, <laughs> but there were like the 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 two girls from like Alabama, and uh, at some point, I get the confidence to write on one of these little pieces of paper, whatever the game we're playing. I write on the paper, do you want to make out? To, did you, for the, one of the heavy set girls from Alabama? Neither of them were heavy set. <laughs> but I write it and I give it to the girl from Alabama. And You gave it to the girl from Alabama? Yeah. Not Nikki Score, who is really where my heart was at. <laughs> Wait, are you mystery from uh, the game, <laughs> Most Dangerous Game? Don't or? know where this came from. Just, I don't know why I did it. Did you neg Nikki score? Nope. Did you invent negging? Nikki score didn't know this was happening. (laughs) Write it for the girl from Alabama. Girl from Alabama shows it to her friend, writes back, hands it back. Yes. What? Fucking panic. Immediately panic. And Nikki score wanted to score with you. No, this wasn't Nikki score. This was Alabama girl. Oh, the heavy set one. Not heavy set, but not (laughs) Nikki score. Not that there's anything wrong with heavy set. It's fine. I'm fine. But uh, no. So I, I panicked. Did you really need to add that, Bob? I did. So. <laughs> Has two, 2021 2021. Done it I have yeah. to do it. So I, um, I panic. I freeze because I was not expecting a yes. I understand that. Don't I understand do it. That. Don't do it. You didn't I, do it. Nope. Didn't do it. Let's. Stayed tight. Stayed like tight in my spot. Didn't move a muscle. Like could have just gotten up and been like, let's go. Didn't do it. And then for like, obviously, believe it or not, Dan, the Nikki score thing didn't happen. (laughs) So, um, so made it the whole cruise without making out with anybody, but, um, a miracle, but a miracle for them. But, uh, yeah. So that was like a a very exciting moment where, uh, had the balls and then couldn't follow through with it at the age of 15. Yeah. Well, I, I could see how that's a regret you would live with, especially at that age. Where opportunities aren't plentiful, right? To have it there, yeah. Nowadays, I I do that move all the time to my wife's chagrin, and uh, you know, it's still I don't get any yeses anymore. It's it's so much about um, being that age or just being young. It's about confidence ultimately. Ultimately, the right. reason why you didn't follow through is because you ultimately felt like that wasn't for you. You you weren't up to the task. The, mm-hmm. And I, it makes me think of our TGI Fridays days, the summer of 2000, where I was just didn't have any confidence with women, and I just fell for that. Uh, this girl, Liz, this manager who was five years older than us, a total knockout, mm-hmm. just like exactly the girl that I would want to like be my girlfriend. Let's get married. Let's have seven kids. <laughs> Let's just do this. And I remember, I'll never forget her friend telling me 
that Liz wants you to ask her to a movie. I was to- just like that situation. Mm-hmm. I was given the green light. This yeah. is a girl that I had essentially uh, been obsessed with oh, all summer. We talked about her all summer long. She was our she was our boss, and like just this like so cute. Yeah, and just beautiful girl. Yeah. And I was told by her best friend, "Hey, she would want you She's to in. ask her out." Right. I never did it. No, you were too. <laughs> I never did it. I just didn't know how to deal with girls, and I was I was nineteen, I was twenty at that point, but I still wasn't there yet in terms of my confidence and belief in myself. And what I did was was the most uh, Dan thing at that time in my life is my solution was once summer ran out and I was going away to school in Boston. This was back in New York. I said, "Oh, let me write a card to her." Sharing my feelings. Uh. You fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, you you coward. What? It's too late anyway. The summer's over. Your your time at Fridays is done. And I went to Fridays with the card. Oh, of course you did. With my feelings. <laughs> and I even I went back to the kitchen. I went back to the kitchen back uh-huh. there looking for her. Couldn't find her. And I was like, okay, this is fate. I ripped up the card. I threw it in the garbage. She wow. never knew. Wow. She never knew how I felt about her. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was, it was back to the hand, <laughs> slow hands. Good segue. say that my favorite Interpol song was the big single on the previous album. Which one was that? Which one? PDA or Come On? Or come here, I mean. No. New York City? No, I'll get to that. But uh, this would be second. I think this is just great. Oh, this is such a good song. This reminds me of being at like Pianos or Max Fish and just surrounded by New York City hipsters in 2004. Yeah, this is so New York. This is so New York. And it it did okay commercially. It didn't. It wasn't a big hit anywhere. But to me, the, if you're making a uh, playlist of kind of rock of this era, I love this part. Um, the scene. The, to me, this is the song that you put on. Yeah. From Interpol.
You know, maybe this is the song, actually. I thought there was another single that I really liked, but this is it. Yeah, their last album, I mean, their first album had... It didn't have any big hits. It had some songs that like, you'd recognize, maybe, but nothing as big as this one. Another song they gave a push really hard um, all over pop culture, trying to... I think there was a thought, a lot of these New York bands, when they were putting out their best music and people that were, quote-unquote, cool and understood that these were artists that were putting out vital music at the time, they, there was a effort to try to find a way to cross that over and make them legitimately big, like rock stars, uh-huh. and it just never happened. It just even with the Strokes, like as right. much as like we idolize the Strokes and and they are seen as vitally important in their era, and they were, but they were never huge. They were never right. like a huge pop act. Right. As much as like you kind of figure that they were, they weren't. Like, last night was the closest thing ever to a pop breakthrough, and I would imagine that was, like, probably a song that maybe scraped the the back end of the top 100. They never had Billboard. a Mr. Brightside, even. No. Not not that that was even a number one song. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that didn't stop all these record labels from trying. They were like, okay, there's got to be somebody that's going to break out and be, you know, the next big rock band. Right. And I guess the Killers came the closest um, because Hot Fuzz was legitimately big. But uh, in terms of the New York acts, right? No, it was Killers, and then it was Kings of Leon with you know Sex on Fire and You Somebody. I guess that would be it. If it, the the band that finally finally crossed over and had like a number one single, right? Was Kings of Leon, and they were actually vilified for it. Yeah, like people that we I have this conversation with Greg Rosenthal on the ATN podcast where they were bagging on Kings of Leon. Um, a lot the Twitter was dunking on Kings of Leon because they they had them play uh, "Use Somebody" and then a new single for an album they just put out um, on draft night, mm. and people were just saying like, "What year is this? Like, what are these guys doing here? Like, what is happening? Why would anyone think this was a good idea?" And um, retroactively, people just, I think, took took that band, which had some great albums, and we've covered them on the show, and reduced them to Sex on Fire as a big, dumb, aggro cock rock. Right, Which right. was not what they were. Not at all what But that's they were. how they're remembered, so I guess that's the price you pay for actually breaking through in the mainstream. Right. Maybe it's better to end up the way these other bands did. Yeah. All right, Maybe. here is Not Even Jail. Kind of weird. Uh... This, this might be my favorite song on the album. Ooh, okay. It might be. Here, let's listen to it. Personality 
Why do you like this? I just think it's like a cool song. Like, it's just such a great. I don't know. There's just something about it that just does it for me. I just pulled up a podcast of mine on Spotify where it's 800 different artists with one song each. And the Interpol song I chose for that was this. Like, I feel like this is Interpol doing what they do so well. Yeah, this definitely has that type of vibe of what they are. It's kind of like a... Uh... There's a groove to it. It's kind of a little bit cold and detached in a way. New York cool type vibe. It, it is that, but it also like builds. Like you'll see like as it right. kind of comes up in the next. Sort of thing. Um, they're an interesting band. It was So like Paul Banks is the lead singer who you hate because he doesn't emote. And then no, I mean, I, I like some of that. Like I like the guy from the National. He's a similar type of singer but uh, you know I like the open hearted singing personally that's my style I like a Brandon Flowers right right more than I like a guy no and I guess I, of course I got that the big sort of breakout star of the band at the time though was Carlos D who was their bass player and if you were like a blog reader mm. like I was of you know all of the cool New York music blogs at the time there were always like Carlos D sightings and there was a whole thing of like Carlos Diaz herpes. Carlos D gave me herpes. It was a whole thing happening on the blogs at the time. That's a that was a thing. That was a thing. Yeah, he was like this. It was he, like Carlos D herpes watch. There was. There <laughs> legitimately was, and I saw him out a few times because he would just go to all those bars in the Lower East Side. But he was like this weirdo. Did he give you herpes? Gave me herpes. Okay, well worth it. A band you really admire. Yep, and uh, it was worth it though. Um, but he left the band, and I feel like that was probably the end of the proper Interpol era. Well, this is a three-piece band, right? No, no, no. There were more than that. There were, were there? 47 members. There's 47 members of the band. So once you drop down to 46, it's hard to kind of catch that spark again. I may be confusing them with Polyphonic Spray. But there were, <laughs> there were more than three members. But the only two names anybody knew were Paul Banks and Carlos I, Paul Banks was the name you heard. Yes. He was the robot lead singer. <laughs> He's a robot. <laughs> the primary songwriter, I believe, right? Carlos Dangler. Never even knew that was his name. He was just Carlos D. Carlos Danger would have been the move, I think. Yeah, right? Like, my brother goes by Kevin Danger, Hansis. What's his real middle name? Carson. But Danger... No, that's the way to go. Danger's there. my middle name. It's classic. But I feel like your brother owns that. I feel like he should trademark it if he hasn't. Your brother, by the I way. I think he hasn't. Quick aside, talking about music, your brother released a single recently. Yes, and you know what? I've, I've been thinking, like, I'd love to have him on the show. We should. I love it. But I don't know how we would do it, because we're not very technologically sound. No, we don't We don't like, like technology. How do, how, do we, how do we do it with the tech? Because um, I was thinking we could play it. He, he, wrote, he wrote, recorded in a studio and everything, Kevin Danger. Um, and produced a video. Yes. Um, a song about uh, the COVID-19 melodrama uh, for everyone that is in a relationship with a significant other that are separated, um, you know, not living in the same apartment mm-hmm. or not married. And um, it's a COVID love song is what it is. It really is. And the idea of staying apart 
to to keep from getting each other sick. And uh, I believe he's uh, received many accolades for it. Uh, At least like four Grammys. <laughs> four Grammys. At least. Uh, I think he got a Golden Globe. Oh, uh, the, he returned it. Golden Globes have been canceled, right? So yeah, <laughs> he, re- he received the Golden Globe and returned it. Good, good, good. Uh, but uh, the COVID nineteen song, I'm trying. He received the Juno Award, I believe. <laughs> Got a Juno. Return that too. Mm. He said only Alanis Morissette <laughs> should have a Juno Award. I will not take. I it. I will not accept this. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. <laughs> I'm a better big brother than you. Because I want people to be able to search it. Yeah, make people look for it. Do it. Man, look at me. Bringing up your little brother's music project on our music podcast. Because I'm a hero. Still looking. Doesn't even know his brother's name. He, he just he just mouthed, what's my brother's name? Because he doesn't even know what to look for. He has no clue. What a mess. Well, it's an algorithm issue on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, hang on. Oh, wait. I think I figured it out. All right. There it is. Okay. It's Kevin Danger, Patient Zero, Open Parenthetical, Corona Ballad. (laughs) Check it out on YouTube and then um, comment on it and um, say where you came from. Do that. Do that thing. Do that thing. Okay. Love, Kevin. This poor kid had to grow up in his... Sharing a room with a guy listening to August and everything after on repeat. It was that. And, uh, you know, when he got a break from that, it was WFAN overnight shows. Right. So this poor kid's been stock radio. This poor kid has been through a lot. So support him. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Check it out. Patient zero. Kevin danger. Leave a comment. Public pervert. What's going on about Interpol? Public perverts. Um, they set up. So Interpol. So you and I both. I, I don't know the right way to get into the story. Nikki squirts. Nikki. No, Nikki score with a K. With a K. <laughs> um, probably not her real name. So you and I both. Two-time Trump voter, Nikki score. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, Allison Brie. Ah, yes. The actress. What does this have to do with public pervert? It has, well, I'm using pervert as a segue to tell this. Um, Alison Brie, we're both fans. Absolutely. Great actress, attractive woman. Sure, I'll just say I'm in love with Alison Brie, always have been. Um, From the community Mad Men days. 
back when, uh, like, when was this? Like 10 plus years ago, living like with my wife in Beverly Hills. And she, and she was like, who do you, uh, not the nice part of Beverly Hills, like an apartment in Beverly Hills. When you say that, it sounds fancy. Like slums of Beverly Hills. 90211 was our yeah, zip code. Yeah. Right. So, um, uh, can you tell Bob has had a couple whiskeys? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Can the audience tell? Loved. I can tell. Loved Alison Brie. <laughs> and for whatever reason, Alison Brie made a YouTube video. I assume my assumption is that it was for like a videographer friend. Yeah. Where she was like, oh, I'll help you out with this thing. Where the video is a minute and three seconds long. It's black and white. And all she does is look up. And suck on her finger to the Interpol song, Rest My Chemistry. Oh, yeah. I I feel like I did see that. It was the sexiest thing I had ever seen in my life at the time. And I, (laughs) I, I played it so many times in the apartment that when Interpol would come on. Wait, what did you play? The video of Alison Brie? Yeah. That when Heather would hear Interpol, she'd be like, oh, my God, is that that fucking video again? Wait, so you would. Oh, yeah, I do remember this. Yeah. I don't understand what it was. It was for what? I assume I I, th- I feel like it must have been for like because it says Alison Brie video portrait by Tyler Shields. I assume it's like a videographer showing how good he is at using a fucking camera. But in the reality, it was Alison Brie sucking on her finger for a minute and three seconds. And I remember like showing it to Heather and being like, look at this. This is the girl from Mad Men because we were like big into Mad Men at the time. And then like she'd be in the other room. I haven't watched the video. Then she'd be in the other okay. room and the video, she'd hear the song play again. <laughs> and then she'd hear the song play again. And then eventually she was like, there's no more Interpol allowed in the house. Like this is a problem. She banned Interpol because of the. Yeah. This is an interesting video. I think it's well worth uh, investing some time in <laughs> if anyone is interested in Bob's story. All right. That was, so, wait, what is that? How is that public pervert? Because you're a pervert? Because I'm a pervert. Private pervert, though, it seems like. More. Yeah, more of a private pervert. Which is better. If you're going to be a pervert, do it in private. All right, here's Come Here. Another single. It's way too late. It charted at 7,000 in America. inside ourselves. The trouble So like a million years ago, we did an episode where we talked about a mixed tape I made for a girl. Yes. And you and Jason just fucking brutalized me for an hour and 15 minutes. It's my favorite episode, probably. But um, 
I remember this was a song that I listened to after that whole thing had played out because this album came out afterwards. I remember you trying to frame the narrative as, hey, listen, have your chuckles, but I got the girl. I barely got the girl. <laughs> I didn't really get the girl, but it was is my favorite episode because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's one to check out. Yeah. There's like four episodes that are worth worth listening it's to. It's true. There are four. This is not one of them. There's but there's four if you find them and we won't tell you what they are. We give, but we've, we've hinted we've at we've given a couple you today. we've given you two. You need to find the other two. Right. Um but no, this was a song just based on the first line alone that I would listen to after that whole thing didn't work <laughs> where it's like it should be me like that like that was enough for me to be like, "Yep." Right. I relate to this. Yeah, I get that. I yeah. like this one. This is pretty good. Yeah, I like this a lot. It's like a... But yeah, but to your point, like, they're a hard band to... And I am drinking whiskey. They're a hard band <laughs> to connect to emotionally because he is so robotic. So I get that. That's suppo- that's like that, right. the icy detachment is supposed to be part of the... Right. What he's... The message, I right. think, of the whole thing. He's the aesthetic, not, the whole feel. Yeah. The heart is not on the sleeve. The heart is right. deep... Within the jacket. Yes. Here's Length of Love, the... Is it the penultimate track? of into it it's it's not bad it's not bad here he comes he's back Bob Castron how to use the little boys room it's like it's one thing to leave your podcast partner on an island it's another thing to do it when you're doing the Interpol podcast. Yep. No, yeah, I legitimately coming. have nothing to say about this song. <laughs> it, it strikes, it, it inspires nothing in me, neither anger, scorn, annoyance, or anything on the positive side. Right. It just exists. Can I, can I say, though, having just run to, to pee and then run back before you started complaining? Right. Uh, barely before you started complaining. Um, in the new garage, there's a there's a bathroom here, so I don't, I don't have to pee in your yard anymore. So that's very yeah, that was fairly uncouth. Um, but I, did, the, I did like it though. I do kind of miss peeing outside. There is a there is something freeing about unleashing outside. Yeah, there. I think it's primal. It is primal for sure. I think like a couple times you would do number twos out there. I not think, a, Bob, that seems unnecessary. You should probably go in a house for not, that. Not a couple of times. I wouldn't even dig a hole either. 
It's like a bear got back here. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, essentially. All right, here's the final track on Antics. Uh, It is called A Time to Be So Small. There we go. But yeah, I don't think this this hasn't changed my feeling about the band. I, I think they are a professional product, um, polished, very of their time. I understand why they didn't have a long career in the spotlight, but also understand why these songs that have they mean something to you and other people. I get that. They had a lane, and I feel like within that lane. They succeeded. Yeah, I feel that way too. And I wouldn't, again, like I wouldn't call myself the world's biggest Interpol fan. But didn't get I, him on the Forty Days and Forty Nights soundtrack. I which do. Which is the goal here in two thousand two. But wait a minute, this is two thousand four. This is two years later. That would have been impossible. <laughs> no, I feel like this album, this album specifically, like brings me back to a really cool time in life. So I do. Yes. If I mean, especially you, yeah. these albums in the early 2000s. If right. you are uh, our age, which is two 41-year-old dudes, these these albums that meant a lot to you when you were first out of college and experiencing a lot right. of different things as young adults, right. there's just no way those albums aren't going to stick with you for the rest of your life. So I get it. I'm not going to bag on it. I, if that When you're coming from that angle, Bob, am I here to shit on Interpol is like a super overrated bunch of robots. Uh, yeah, I will do that, actually. Fuck these guys. You can do that. That's fine. <laughs> no, I don't feel that way. I don't feel very strongly one way or the other, which is why, ultimately, I I pushed back and delayed this as long as I did, because <laughs> I just knew I wouldn't really have right. a lot to say about the, the music, but uh, we still had a good conversation. Our, um, our good friends, Greg and Renee, big Interpol fans. Yes, huge, 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 huge. Greg is still going to text us angrily. He's not going to be happy. That we did me. not do Turn on the Bright Lights. But Greg's really never happy. So no, we've like... never made Greg happy in all of our years of friendship. We've been friends with the guy for like 25 plus years. <laughs> never fully happy with us. This isn't going to help. <laughs> this isn't going to help, though. Right. But at least we did the album. We do have a trip together on the horizon to Denver, Colorado that is happening at some point in the near future. Greg, hopefully we can get Greg drunk enough where he yells at us about this. That would be nice. That would be nice. He normally keeps it inside. I would like to see him blow up. He internalizes things. Yes. Um, But we love him. All right. Let's pick a song now. Let's pick a song now. From the throwback, for the throwback podcast playlist, which is available everywhere except for Rihanna's. Personal service. Hey, man. Interpol? No, thank you. All right. So she's with me on that. So problematic. We, um, they re- title, by the way, recently released their numbers. How many subscribers they have? Not a good decision. Only Rihanna. She's the hey, man. Only, she's the only, lonely. One. She's the only, even Jay-Z is out. Super lonely, man. <laughs> so bad. Um, before we pick our song, though. <laughs> We have to thank. Is anybody here, man? <laughs> Terrible. We have to. Th- it's not even. You're not even making an effort. <laughs> we have to thank all of the Patriotes who made this possible on Patreon.com/slash Throwback Pod. Yeah, sorry about this, guys. No, I think. <laughs> you know, wait, sorry about your performance or the music itself? No, my performance was great. Um, <laughs> I was that? like, you know, like a pitcher in baseball when 
He's in the bullpen he before his, the start. He doesn't have his like, best stuff tonight. I don't want my slider. My fastball doesn't have the same pop. But I'm going to grind through he, six innings and keep my team in the game. That's what I feel like I did today. He gutted out a win. And then my and my catcher in this scenario is you. You just drank a lot of whiskey. Well, the other perk of the new garage is there's a bed here. So I am crashing here tonight. Oh, I'm going to be in that bed with you, Bob. Oh, come on. I am taking this relationship to the next level tonight. I passed, I did pass you a note that said bed tonight. And you wrote back, yes. And I don't know how to react. I'm, I'm just, I'm just scared. Uh, well, don't, I know you chickened out with uh, Nikki Fox. No, Nikki score did not get, I didn't get with Nikki score. Although the reason I remember her name is because we, we did write letters back and forth afterwards. Really? That's, I know you looked her up on social media. Does she have a I feel like I, I looked her up probably in the MySpace days a long time ago. Not since. So who knows? I'm sure she changed her name. She was probably like, this is a ridic- ridiculous name I have. I need to... She had to have gotten married because she was in 1995 Fox. She yeah. was like a... Like a Found a Nikki score. She's 64 years old, according to this. She lives in West Hills, California. Is that her? Not far away. <laughs> May have been she looked her. great for her age. Back in the 95. Anyway, Nikki, wherever you are, I hope things are great. Anyway, thank you to all the Patreonies on patreon.com slash throwbackpod kicking in to make this thing happen. You're the only reason that Dan was forced to listen to Antics by Interval yeah, tonight. really so. stuck it to me tonight. Thank you for everyone kicking in $2 a month and more. Keep this thing going. You guys are the best. Thank you to our top tier Patreonies, Courtney and Wyatt. Dan? Yes. I just want you to say something about Courtney and Wyatt. Oh, I love them. Uh, what a power couple for the ages and their beautiful, beautiful children who we love. Kleine and Mansi. Never met them, <laughs> but I'm sure they're great kids. Kleine and Mansi. Oh, man, Australia. What a nation. What a continent. <laughs> and Bruno. The sponsor. Bruno does not listen to the show anymore. <laughs> Bruno has a a checking account that is on auto bill for Patreon. He <laughs> went into the woods and was never found again. He's probably his his remains are on a bus somewhere in the wilderness. <laughs> I would like to think that we're some sort of write off. Like we're some sort of like he's funneling money through this Patreon. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're helping out some Really illicit sort of drug deal. If we had our own like Chris McCandless character, um, a, a real like Canadian am- adventurer, that, I feel like that'd be cool. Only he wasn't dead. I hope you're alive. <laughs> yeah, I really do hope you're alive, Bruno. So thank you to everybody. Patreon.com slash throwback pod. Time to pick a song. And you know what? I'm going to catch you completely off guard because I know how disconnected you are from this podcast. At yes, this point. Dan, very much. You get to pick the song tonight. Oh, you son of a bitch. Yep. Well, I guess you, you had that uh, monologue about uh, not even jail meaning a lot to you. No, but that's a, I already have that on playlist. I'd rather not put that on the Throwback Podcast. Um, is um, Slow Hands 2 on the nose for you? I don't think anything's on the nose, whichever one you like the most. I mean, that's their best song. So why overthink it? I feel like this is a great addition to a playlist. I agree completely. All right, Slow Hands is the latest addition to the Throwback Podcast playlist, where you can get anywhere where you get your streaming music, except for title. Hey, Mom! Uh, <laughs> we will be back in two weeks uh, from the Umlaut. I like calling it the Umlaut. Yeah, just call it the Umlaut. Yeah! We'll be back here doing uh, Interpol's Our Love to Admire from 2007. So get, <laughs> get ready, everybody. People can't stop talking about that record. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks, and um, you know where to find us on social media, and keep uh, leaving comments, please, uh, over on iTunes. It, it, it helps. And uh, thank you to everyone. Any final Just, words, Bob? Thank you, especially to Nikki Score. I feel like it's not too late. It's probably too late. If anyone ever saw that letter that I wrote to that girl, that would be the worst moment of my life. Well, I have bad news for you, Dan. Liz, come on out with the letter.